This is the Open Forum Podcast. Welcome to episode four of the Open Forum Podcast. My name is Mike Miller, joined by my co-host, Mike Martinez, to bring you the news, helpful insight, and more from the world of physical education. Good afternoon, Mike. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, buddy. How are things on your end? You know, I uh, had to stay home with the little one one day this week. She, was, she wasn't feeling well, so, um, but we're, we're on the mend. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, we're okay. How's classes going so far? Uh, pretty good, actually. We just uh, finished our Open 8 slash Modified Cooperative Games unit, which... Um, is our topic today, which is pretty exciting. So I have well, that fresh, out pretty well. some fresh insight about that. But um, yeah, uh, it's I'm feeling really good. I have one class that I'm still trying to wrangle in a little bit, but the other ones are functioning really well. My sophomores are really starting to gel. Our leaders are starting to crop up, and um, it's it's really exciting. I'm really excited about it. Awesome. This is a great time of year for that as well. I feel like most of us are, d- are done with our fall fitness testing mm-hmm. and getting into those activities to kind of teach students how to you know, how games work in the gym what, what's the flow of activity how do i get your attention you know stop and start stop and start signals things of that nature and i think cooperative games are just a really great way to build community and get kids all on the same page get them involved so i'm excited to talk more about that and to also highlight more of the the open modules on openphyzed.org that really bring a lot of those activities to life. And I'm twice as excited to introduce our guest for today, the greatest thing to come from Wisconsin since fried cheese curds. We have the- I've never had, by the way. Oh, you're missing out, buddy. You're missing out. We have Shannon Molly with us today. Shannon, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, hello, guys. Thanks for inviting me today. I really appreciate it. And yes, we'll have to get you to send some cheese curds out to you fairly soon. (laughs) Just a heads up. Um, a little bit about me. I'm teaching high school physical education and health this year. I'm real excited into that. And just like what you said, too, um, bringing cooperative games into those first couple of weeks, I think, is really important um, as well. And I do that every year just to kind of build relationships with my kids. A couple other things is I'm a proud um, trainer of the Open Phys Ed Network and having the opportunity to do some of the different modules has um really opened my eyes to what we can bring into PE as far as getting our kids to move forward um, with just getting to know each other and then also to make sure that they're comfortable with their own learning and uh, being more helpful with each other. Awesome. Yeah, um, I, I just think that's a really cool dynamic about, you know, like it's it's okay to be a follower and it's okay to step up to be a leader and having your students see those roles in real time and see how those roles can like piece together and work cooperatively is, is awesome. I think it's a huge piece when talking about teamwork in general is that not everyone on your team has to be a leader and it's okay if that's not your natural role that you like to play. Uh, It's easy to draw comparisons to team sports, professional sports, how, you know, not everyone is the best player, but without the, superstar defender or the sharpshooter from the outside or the offensive lineman who is protecting your quarterback like without those integral pieces playing their roles the whole team falls apart so i I think communicating that to your kids you don't always have to be the one in charge or always the one who holds the ball or always the one who's you know yapping nonstop. I, i think it's important to show how those rule those roles are equally as important so talking about cooperative games let's just throw the first question out there why why do we use them uh what role do they play 
in your curriculum and how do they fit into your overall teaching? I mean, personally for me, I use it as like my first big unit. So my lead off unit for the year is fall fitness. I want to get those kind of fitness concepts in their brains. I want to, you know, start all of those strong physical movement foundations with my fitness unit, all those activities like my warm up routine and all that stuff because that's all fitness based. And then it's cooperative games. We're going to learn how to speak to one another, how to be respectful to one another. Because once the team games start and that competition element comes in, you know, it's it's like gloves are off and <laughs> you need that you need that pre training, that pre work to say, hey, you know, I know the energy is is building. I know we're we're getting competitive in here, but let's think back to everything that we learned while we were playing cooperative games. Like, you know, these are the expectations on how you are speaking and how are how you are uh, interacting with each other while you're in my space. For sure. How about you, Shannon? Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. I have done, um, usually I do a little bit in reverse. I do the cooperative games first because I've done a couple presentations on like building relationships within the first seven days. And I think it's those first seven days that you meet your kids is kind of the setting point, whether it's going to, how your classroom management skills are placed, put into place and the expectations that you need to do. And placing the emphasis on like a participation and the challenge of activities and creating fun in your classroom rather than the concept of defeating somebody right off the bat. I think mm-hmm. that really sets the tone for how, how your class is going to be run then. Um, and then it's not so much of a worry about like the win lose aspect, like with most sports, it's more of like, what can I do, especially at the, even at the high school level is how do I get my team from point A to point B and to get everybody to move forward, especially, you know, like, for example, if I'm moving into a, a basketball unit, you know, it's not everybody's going to be able to successfully shoot a basket. But if I can teach somebody in my group that, hey, if you're going to be at this one point in the game and I can um, pass it to you and make that contribution and to score a point as a team, you know, I think that is much more important as far as that leads into what they're learning in the cooperative games activity. So just more or less just trying to get that full round of stuff done in the beginning of the of the semester versus in the middle of the year. When I was teaching in an elementary setting, I would always lead with cooperative games and do mm-hmm. that first um, yeah. because I didn't have a huge fitness element. I would I would kind of build that in the first 10 minutes of class to kind of start routining them with that. But as far as my first content area, it was always cooperative games because I would do exactly what Shannon was outlining, just, you know, baseline expectations, uh, systems, procedures, because that's easy to do with like cooperative games. If you're playing The Floor's Lava, you know, you can stop that game 20 different times to work on attention getting signals. Mm-hmm. So and, and that is a a, a dynamic engaging activity that they probably won't want to stop and mm-hmm. that's a really good test of how you are putting in all of those all of the systems so that's interesting i i've done this i've experimented a couple of different ways over the last you know nine ten years since i've taught middle school elementary school and, and now high school i've done the fitness stuff first on some in some years and i've done cooperative games first in some years it never fails when we do cooperative games first there is little to no laughing at each other if someone can't do a push-up 
yeah. or where you, you know a, a whole crowd of people cheering on the last person who's mm-hmm. finishing their pacer test, encouraging them. There, there still is that to some degree if we do it in the opposite order. But when we build that community and that 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 family concept first, it never fails that we have instantly set the tone for a group of students who are always pulling for each other, even when there is competitive games yeah. being played where now they're really pulling for each other on their teams instead of that you know that infighting and bickering and stuff like that. It's been really interesting to see. Yeah. Yeah. Have you noticed that like when you do um, cooperative games, cooperative games first, then too, you get a sense of um, that might be uncomfortable when they do a fitness assessment. So you can kind of, kind of weigh that out and kind of, you know, spend more time discussing and talking to those students, especially the ones that are more timid about preparing them for their fitness assessments. Because I think a lot of times in their head, they're going to be going, oh, I'm already going to do really bad. So why even try? But then this is a great time during that cooperative games to find some place where they'll be able to shine and rises up too. But I've done it in both ways too. I used to do fitness assessments right off the bat because I wanted to get it done within the first three days to see what their, I think of it as their summer slide. You know, yeah. right. you want to see just like math and reading what they've, what they have, have done and what they haven't done before the beginning of the season. And to get that done right away really can um, get a good benchmark for them as well. I just, I, I really focus on roles and building that in and, mm-hmm. you know, just to alleviate some of that anxiety that revolves around like, oh, coaches expecting me to speak up, but I have nothing to say, or I, I don't want to speak up or like it's it's okay. Like you can you can slide into that follower role and still be a part of your team's success. And like you don't have to feel anxious about not having an idea right away because there are four or five people in your group right now that are full of ideas and are sharing those. So like it's it's fine for you to take a back seat and just, you know, yeah. go through the motions with your team. Like that's that's fine. That's the role that you you're playing. For sure. And as Shannon mentioned earlier, I think it is an easy way, not just for the teacher, but for the other students to kind of identify who are the natural leaders and who aren't. But I think as a teacher, it's a great time to maybe find those kids who are a little bit more timid and intentionally put them in leadership roles to empower them and you know let their voice be heard. But also to show those kids who are used to being the leaders that you don't always have to be the one who's in charge. Yeah. That there are times when we can take a step back. And listen to other people's voices. One thing along that same vein, I, I feel like we've touched on a little bit, but I kind of want to flesh it out a little, a little deeper. Since we all have experience teaching at different levels, how do these cooperative games change, or how do they look different along the K through twelve spectrum for you, for the elementary school, the middle school versus high school? Okay. Well, I think at the elementary school level, you're going to be focusing more on the personal social responsibility of spatial awareness, how to work independently, um, social interactions, identifying, you know, what my space is versus somebody else's space, actively engaging yourself in the activity and what that looks like as an elementary student. When it gets to be more middle and high school, it's more of the, the critical thinking skills, the processing, the decision-making comes into play. It also you know, the challenges become harder, so it takes them a lot longer to solve the solve the problem. For sure. I, I've been fortunate enough. I know Mike and I have talked offline about the the quote unquote joys of having to share a gym <laughs> with high school size students. But one of the cool things about it is when I'm walking to a class or from a class, 
I've gotten to see Mike's high schoolers participating in a bunch of these activities and just hearing the laughter mm-hmm. and hearing community and family being built is such a powerful experience that is going to make everything else we do that 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 vulnerability and that do I want to put myself out there it's going to make that so much easier for the kids because they've already spent x amount of classes being vulnerable and sharing these positive experiences with each other i think that's one thing at the high school level that is a very very strong piece robotics lab was off the chain the other day <laughs> off the chain or uh or as my kids would say extra Yes, mad extra. Extra Extra plus tax. Before we get to the module spotlight, uh, another question that comes up in talking about the the K through 12 spectrum, if you will, is behaviors. I I know we've mentioned using cooperative games as a way to kind of set the tone for how we do things. But what impact do you think it has on student behavior or your ability to manage behaviors in the gym? I mean, when uh, going back to what Shannon said before, and really focusing on the social interactions, especially at the elementary level, you're you're taking out a whole bunch of if you, if you model it correctly and um, you really explain the rationale behind it about you know cooperatively and respectfully talking and working with your classmates that takes away a lot of that redirection around hey you no. Know, I really didn't like how that came out. Could you could you try saying that again to her in a different way? Because with these large problem-solving activities, you're going to have brainstorming, and you're going to have students disagreeing with each other. And prefacing them that with maybe a couple phrases that they can use or uh, techniques to you know actively listen to all of the things that their groupmates are talking about, that way you are, are just are knocking out a couple of those pre-mortems um, right off the bat. I'd have to, I'd have to concur with that too. And I think adding on to that, if you lead into your discussion about like an essential question is how do you agree and disagree safely? I think that's a big tool that you need to teach your kids because, you know, when they're in this, in a situation that they're trying to solve a problem or solve a challenge, you're, you're always going to have somebody in the group that's either going to agree or disagree with, their their idea or their recommendation to solve the problem um and to do that kind of taking constructive criticism you know being able to to teach that use that as a teachable moment like okay your student said you know this about how they were going to solve the problem and even though you don't agree with it how do you how do you speak it and how do you say it in a way that it doesn't offend the other person so i think you know like what you said making sure that you're pre-teaching those expectations and then also using it as an aha moment, like teachable moment. This is how we're going to do it later when we're in a basketball unit or in a soccer unit or in ultimate Frisbee or something like that. Kids are more susceptible to remind themselves, remember what we did in cooperative games and you can use that as a, as a teaching tool. And like, it's okay to disagree. It's going to happen. Absolutely. There are, you know, six different people in your group. You can have six different ideas floating around you just need to try to figure out, like, your job is to figure out which one works. Yeah. And, I, and I always tell them, I'm like, not all of my ideas are good ideas. And, and I always usually get a little bit of a laugh out of that. But, like, <laughs> I don't always have great ideas. But, you know, I don't know if my ideas aren't great unless, you know, we try them out or I talk through them. So it's, it's okay to disagree. You just need to learn how to move past that. Well, contrary to you, Mike, all of my ideas are actually great ideas. Yeah, I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but I, I think this is such a I, – I got goosebumps as l- listening to the two of you talk. I think 
obviously the potential for conflict is always there. And I think naming that ahead of time and saying, hey, this is a challenging activity. You are going to have some disagreements. And like, this is where, again, phys ed becomes such a powerful tool because this is not a phys ed or a game concept. This is a life concept. Yep. You are going to disagree with yep. people in every facet of life from now until you're 100 years old. Yeah. When you get a job, when you grow up and you have a career and you have a job and you have a boss, yeah. like you're going to disagree with your boss. How are you going to deal with that and how are you going to respectfully work through that so that way you can you know, keep your job? And when you're six years old, when you're 16 years old, when you're 66 years old, you probably always think that your ideas are the best. Oh, yeah. How do you navigate that in a group setting to... Even if you really do think your idea is the best, maybe let someone who hasn't spoken yet have a chance to try this. If it doesn't work, then we can go ahead and try mine. Especially when you're 16. Yeah. <laughs> you think all of your ideas are the best. Of course. Everything everything you have in mind is the greatest thing of all time. But how do you navigate that in a group setting? Right. You're going to make mistakes in life no matter what you do. And cooperative games gives an opportunity for kids to fail and gets gives kids an opportunity to succeed. And kind of learn and grow from from what they from what they did and you know, again, too, it's just having that opportunity to set the tone for your classroom and for your kids to know that they they can mess up and it's okay to mess up. It's not a, you know, if you don't pass this cooperative game activity, you fail. It's the idea that we're working through that process in a in a fun setting. For sure. I think we've all agreed and I'm hoping that most people who are listening would agree that cooperative games is a great first or maybe first or second unit throw out there i know i've toyed with this before in the past but i'm curious to hear from you folks are there any other times during the year when you revisit this unit or is it pretty much like this set the tone for us and then we walk away from it what, what are some other times of the year that we roll the, out? Well, after testing when they have to, <laughs> when they have right before christmas when you know their heads are like all over the place um right before spring break may is an excellent time too for seniors when they're ready to get out the doorway to try <laughs> them back into like let's have some fun and let's let's challenge yourself to get you prepared for when you leave i think those are some great opportunities to do it as well i would think anytime you're noticing that lull and you need to get that energy back up i think is even if it's a day where you just you give them one or two things that they know how to do that they've played before that you're not, you're just revisiting because you know mm -hmm. they're just gonna have a blast with it Oh, uh, along the same vein of what Shannon was saying, I've actually used these as a return from break mm -hmm. activity. I feel like we've all been gone for a week, sometimes two weeks, 10 days. I just want a quick jolt of, hey, this is how we do things before we get into yeah. competitive situation or, you know, a, a regular schedule, regular scheduled part of our program. I think it's a great way to kind of bring kids back in. Yeah. The break, just to remind them how things work and how we treat each other, how we talk to each other. I think that works kindergarten through yeah. 12th grade. As a way, just kind of refresh everyone, get us all back on the same page and move forward. Even as a reminder to just your expectations. So if you see a kid starting to, you know, falter or even a class that's starting to get a little wild, it's a great way to bring them back in and to remind them the purpose of what they're doing in classes to build that community, to build that, build relationships with each other and, and to be overall a good player, I should say. The great thing about open is that they have the PSR module um, at K through two, and then it morphs into this open eight cooperative games monster when you get to the middle school level. And I actually just finished a modified version of the open eight module with my high schoolers. So 
those activities you can very easily modify or not modify. They translate. I'm going to talk about life on the ice in a minute or two. And I use that activity standalone as it's written for middle schoolers for my ninth and 10th graders. So there are options on open phys ed for you, whether at whatever level you're at and the, the three to five PSR module really focuses in on um, all of those things revolving around how you speak to one another, how you work with one another, how you solve problems. And um, we're just going to kind of take a second and talk about our favorite PSR slash open eight cooperative games uh, activity and where you can find it. For sure. And before we dive too deep into the module, if you are listening for the first time and are not familiar, openphyzed.org is the website we're referring to. It's a totally free curriculum website. It is, I can't speak highly enough about it. It's a fully encompassing resource for teachers, designed by teachers, as a way, again, just to share great activities, information. Each module is soup to nuts, top to bottom, outlined with everything from the activities to pacing schedules, self-assessments, teacher assessments, uh, peer peer assessments, peer assessments, uh, academic vocab. There is universal design adaptations for students who are operating on different levels. There are depth of knowledge questions to really get your kids thinking at a cognitive level. Each module is really, as, as Mike mentioned, a standalone resource that can guide you from day one through day eight, 10, 12 of your unit and ensure that you're delivering high-level education across the board. So if you, ha- if you haven't log- uh, registered yet, log yes. on to openphyzed.org. Again, totally, totally free and start digging through some of those resources. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of people who, you know, you know, we see at conferences and experiences who are trying to get signed up for openphyzed.org are concerned because they have a lot of spam in their mailbox and like, oh, this is just another thing I'm going to get an email from. And it's, it's, not, it's not spammy. The only emails you're going to get are the emails of like, hey, um, the high school Tabata module just got released. And um, it's, that's just there for you to know, you know what's available. So if you're worried about your inbox filling up with spam from open or U.S. games, it's, it's, it's not, that's not what it is. It's just it's a resource for you to take a piece, to take the whole thing, to uh, you know, just grab the assessments from if you want, if you have your own units and you just need like a, a, a quick, thorough assessment. You know, that's what it's there for. For sure. So Mike has mentioned the personal and social responsibility module, which again is available for K through two and three through five. Why don't you folks talk a little bit about what that module encompasses? What what do you like about it? What are maybe a favorite activity of yours? Let's just dig into that module. All right. So most of the, the personal and social uh, responsibility module that's in the K two and the three five really just focuses on activities designed to reinforce those skills that are associated with a, like a positive behavior. So for example, like safety, cooperation, accepting others, the interpersonal skills or behavior, um, receiving and providing feedback, which is also important. And then also um, praising and accepting others, you know, just overall etiquette that a student will need to accomplish when they're in anywhere between K through five. One of my favorite lessons is the robotics lab, which we kind of touched base with a little bit earlier. And before this, we had a nice conversation about it. This activity, I do at all levels. I teach, um, and like I said earlier, I teach now at the high school level, but um, I have taught it in multiple levels before. And I mean, it's just a nice way for you to imagine like a physical education classroom turning into a um, 
a scientific lab. And kids, when, you, when you're starting to talk to the little kids about this and you're like, do you guys want to be scientists for the day? And they're like, yeah, let's be scientists. Because that's a lot of them what they want to be. They want to, you know, have something to do with, you know, a firefighter or a policeman at that point in time. But if you say you're going to be this awesome scientist, they get into it. The concept of it is to have the scientists be in charge of three or two robots and the two robots are going to be moving around and those robots begin um, as they begin to move. The scientists job is to make sure that they don't run into an outside area. And I have my scientists use like a beanbag so that, you know, little kids at that time, middle schoolers will sometimes talk about cooties. So I always have the cootie <laughs> like, Hey guys, just a heads up. This is your cootie barrier and that nobody's going to get cooties if you tap somebody on the shoulder. And the nice implication too, is we're incorporating math into this. So we talk a lot about um, angles with kids and even at the elementary levels and middle school levels, you can teach about 90 degree, 180 degree, 360 degree angles. Mm -hmm. So as we teach them how to turn, it's uh, the scientist's job is to keep them moving. So they're not going to get stuck in a corner. I like to use music with this too, as well. I don't know if you guys like to use music in physical. And of course, we always like to use music because it makes everybody move more. I like, I love using like the Mr. Roboto um, music or the song. (laughs) If you're familiar with that, it's, it's an, it has a nice beat and elementary kids can really, once they practice and hear that beat, it becomes like a marching movement. So Mm -hmm. kids start walking right away and the robots start walking and we have them, the robots facing away from each other so that they're starting to go in opposite direction. Um, and then we also give the robots about five or six, five or 10 seconds to start moving before the scientists can actually start. And, you know, the object is to try to keep your, your robots intact. And again, the focus is to make sure that they're safely moving. So we're reinforcing academic language that's coming back into the topic or into the lesson. And then also to just talking a little bit about open space and trying to get your robot into that open space that's not being invaded by other robots you know and you know the kids play this and you can stop depending on you know where they're at if we have a lot of robots stuck and then there's a lot of modifications that you can add it as the levels get up nice and i I know mike just did this recently with his kids too did you notice anything different at the high school level versus doing this with the elementary school kids by the way full disclosure i've seen sticks live in concert twice (laughs) um But actually, one thing I did notice about doing it with the high school students was that the creativity that they have to assume that role of a robot is just as high as if you would do it with smaller uh, or younger students. I had everything from and this is when robots like get to the wall and they have to they have to, you know, engage their um, collision avoidance protocol and, you know, anytime they're going to walk into another robot or the wall, you know, they have to stop. So that right. way they can, you know, preserve their own safety and stay in their own personal space. And I had everything from students just like getting to the wall and then turning around and standing there and giving their operator like a look to come get them <laughs> to, you know, marching with their hand up in the air to continually walking and bumping into the wall as if they were like a wind up toy that just like got into the wall. And then I had the students, even though I didn't give them the specific direction to, you know, make a signal for your operator to notice you, they did that all on their own. So 
the I just I love the fact that the creativity and the and the pretending, so to speak, mm-hmm. to to be a robot was just so high, even though they were high school students. I'm hearing so many wonderful things. And Shannon had mentioned earlier about younger younger students learning about general space versus personal space. Um, this game definitely speaks to that to that concept. Mike is mentioning the idea of having to put your trust in somebody yeah. else. As a robot, I need to trust that my my scientist is going to keep me safe and keep me free from collisions. It's a you know it's a a creative stretch, yeah. but a great way to again put your trust in somebody else. When you switch roles, now I'm trusting you versus you trusting me. Uh, I think all of the PSR activities really reinforce these concepts. Which, by the way, personal and social responsibility is a huge, huge topic amongst administrators, principals all across. I mean, there, there's no school that is not looking to increase the levels of yeah. personal and social responsibility. <laughs> I think this module is a great way to really build those concepts yeah. as part of your of your overall curriculum. Now we're we're kind of running short on time here, so. I'm going to really run through Life on the Ice because I just I had a really successful experience with it this week. Sure. Life on the Ice is a game that's in the Open 8 module that I was actually really able to see fleshed out when Rich Wiles did it at his yeah session. Uh, his session <laughs> at, uh, at P Institute this year. What it is is it's a circle. Everyone's on their own poly spot, and they have to use nonverbal communication techniques to switch spots in the circle with another person. And then there's a player in the middle who's trying to steal spots as they become available to get out of the middle. He calls that person the uh, the abominable snow monster. Love it. <laughs> the the thing was was that I went into that activity not knowing that the theater teacher, because my kids take theater also, that the theater teacher played Traffic Jam, which is the same exact game, mm-hmm. almost, uh, with them the week before. And they're like, "Oh, Mister, we played this already in theater." I'm like, "Okay, well." You know, this is this is, you know, that game like times 10 because it's way cooler to do down here. I opened up the circle real wide. You know, I had them traveling almost halfway across the gym to cross the circle and then introduced the concept of iceberg. When you call iceberg, everyone in the circle has to find a different spot. And that and and the chaos built around that was where I got the most teachable moments. Hey, you know, personal space. If everyone runs through the center of the circle, you're going to bump into each other. You have to, like, plan your moves. You don't have to go all the way across the circle. You can just go to, like, two spots down. So it was a lot of a lot of physical movement. And when and a game like that, if you notice the energy is going down, you just call, like, three or four icebergs in a row. Mm-hmm. And that really just brings the energy back up. It was, it was really, really great. It sounds like for any teacher who is either looking to sprinkle in some cooperative games at the still the, the tail end of the beginning of the school year, or if you want to use this as a rebound from Thanksgiving break, winter break in December, I, I think the both the PSR yeah. uh, modules or the Open 8 module are great ways to, again, build that community, build that sense of, of family and of trust, and get your kids used to working together and developing some, some of those teamwork concepts. Anything to add about the module before we put a bow on this? No, it sounds great. You guys... Like I said, cooperative games are a great thing to do and add. And Open has some wonderful opportunities for you to get started if you've never done anything before. You know, look at the personal and social responsibility modules in Open and also look at the Open 8. I think those are great, a great way to start if you've never done it before. Open 8 has a has the great holistic performance rubric. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a great way to keep your kids accountable for 
how they act and how they speak to one another because I tell them like, hey, this is your skills testing for this for this unit. And these are all the things that I'm looking for you to do. And it's just a really quick four point rubric on, you know, being respectful to one another and, you know, and, and cooperating and problem solving. It's just it's a quick way to, you know, not only get them to buy in, but to keep them accountable for what they're doing. Shannon, thank you so much for taking some of your of your weekend to chat with us today. You are officially free to go cheer on your badgers now. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Awesome. And if anyone would like to chat more with Shannon about her experience, especially switching now to a high school, you can always reach her at Shannon Molly. Her last name is spelled M-A-L-Y. It's at Shannon Molly. And just thank you again for coming on with us. That wraps up our episode for today. Folks, if you have any questions about anything we chatted about, uh, any of the PSR modules or the Open 8 module, feel free to reach out to us uh, via email. We're at openforumpod at gmail.com. Or you can always tweet us directly at the show at OpenPhysEd. If you have questions for Mike or I in particular, you can reach us directly on Twitter. I'm at PhysEdFreak. And I'm at CoachMillerPE. We love all the questions and requests to, to come chat with us that we've been getting. So please keep those coming. We truly want to keep this show an open forum. Until next time, thanks for tuning in and stay active, everyone. This podcast and all of the great services provided by Open are made possible through the support of U.S. Games and BSN Sports. Every time you purchase physical education and athletic equipment through U.S. Games and BSN Sports, you are supporting a network of teachers helping teachers. Open is a public service organization. Learn more at openphyzed.org.